Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm profiteering off the miseries of others. For the content. I mean, I'm Alex. And two more things about Halloween 2007. So, Mm -hmm. uh, in the gun shops, I'm Britain, I do jokes. There's Uh a a scene where Malcolm McDowell goes to buy some guns from a very fuzzy uh, gun shop owner. That's Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees. Like the Davy Jones Pleasant Valley Sunday, the monkeys. Um, okay. It's kind of an amusing scene because Malcolm McDowell's like, oh, and this is a 16 caliber. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I like that. Oh, yes. But also at the end of the movie, it says, based on a film by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And for some reason, that really bothered me. Because <laughs> it sounded, it didn't say based on characters created by or based on the film by. It was like based on a movie by the whatever. Based so, on Big Trouble yeah. in Little China by <laughs> it, this, it Wishes. It's a great movie. Um, I, I'm Britain, and uh, boys, we're we're back in the swamp. Yeah. Up to our deep, knees. Deep in the swamp. Um, and not the fun Shrek swamp. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are talking about Halloween 2 from 2009, directed by Rob Zombie this week. Uh, I really thought you were going to go for it and just say the scores just take it away from me (laughs) (laughs) no uh, that's that's I think all the time we have this week Um, written written by the Coen brothers weirdly enough who knew (laughs) Uh, I wish can you imagine a scene where Michael Myers runs into like a weird guy with a bear pelt over his head or Michael Myers is the weird guy with a bear pelt over his head you were I mean you he practically is in this movie. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Alex, what are the scores? Uh, it has a 22% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a that 45% audience score. Is fascinating. Why is that so high? <laughs> Who let this yeah, happen? It's not even the lowest for either of those, which is just baffling me. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest with y'all. My biggest revelation coming out of this movie was... I don't know if I liked that more than the first or if I hated it more than the first. Yeah. I'm I I was constantly jumping back and forth. So this will be an interesting discussion. Um yeah, it Real still quick, sucked can but you clarify, in different ways. Yeah, can you remind me who what movie has the lowest audience score? Um let me scan that real quick. Um I think it's 3. Okay. Season of the Witch. I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get it. <laughs> if you had said resurrection, I would have been like, "All oh. right, guys, we gotta we gotta <laughs> Tron into the internet and take care of this." Oh, we've got to Tron into the internet and take care of this. It is actually resurrection. It is resurrection. All right, come on, guys. So, <laughs> so season of the witch has a twenty-seven percent audience, and resurrection has a twenty-five percent, and which that has is the lowest, lowest. critic. Lowest critic is resurrection with no, no, no. It's uh, Curse of Michael Myers with a nine percent. Okay. 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 Well, time to go in and meet a cool hacker chick uh, emoji or something who'll mm. show us show us the ropes in this crazy internet world. What? Twitter? That's insane. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're here. Uh, what's bumping me in the head? <laughs> Those are called pop-up ads. So annoying. Uploading. 99%. Ah! Guys, tell the security program to quit chasing me. I'm not spamware. 
we've we've now summarized for you every movie made about the internet between 2000 and 2010 you're welcome what great um, jokes yeah <laughs> uh love the I, part where we love the part where they twerked anyway <laughs> do we do we do y'all have best and worst i really don't like I do. this movie is not sitting in my brain like i, I can think yeah. of scenes that were in the movie but i cannot picture the sum of it at once i could i cannot holistically look at this and say okay this is right the full story of this movie i i it cannot all be held in my thoughts at the same time i gotcha um well i i would like to dive in if if i may do it with best and worst please do so my um i uh shocker i did not like this movie um i feel like in a weird way it, it did, I, I feel like I handled it better than the first one because the first, I was like, I already know what I'm getting into to a degree. There are some, it goes a place or two that the last movie didn't and we'll talk about it. But ultimately in terms of the like over violence and the grossness and the bad dialogue, it doesn't have the amount of, the dialogue never reaches the hit of just disgustingness at the opening scenes of Halloween one do. So that's nice. That's kind of clement, but, um, the scene between the two guys driving the ambulance that, okay. Yeah. yeah, That's that's a good point. That's a good point, but they get horribly killed, but yeah. And that scene takes less time (laughs) than the opening. So it's like, yeah, that, that is, that is a good counter though. I'm going to say my worst thing about this movie is just the, the the ugliness of it which i know that's a, a very strong word but i feel like it's just really unpleasant to look at um, i would not say it's a strong word for this movie <laughs> I, I i would say it's quite accurate yeah it just it you know I, I i will say there are a few exterior sort of wide shots of like the midwest in in autumn that i'm like you know what that, I, I like that time of year that that doesn't look terrible because that's just nature but so often this movie looks like uh, the Arkham games, but not fun. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to play those levels. All the interior scenes look bad. Like, it looks like they're, like the lights aren't on or they're only kind of on. Like, mm-hmm. there's a scene where Lori wakes up and goes down. She's living with Annie and the sheriff and they're having breakfast. But it looks like it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of, like, ugliness it's cut really weirdly and frantically and it's just, it's framed really badly. Tyler, when you were watching it, you messaged us has, what is this? What is, what is this directing? What are these camera angles? Has Rob Zombie seen a, another movie or other people? Um, yeah. I just remember there being a shot during a, a conversation of Lori and it's just through like a grate or something. And it felt really weird that that was how it was shot. There's just a lot of weird angles and, it's just like gray and mucky the whole time you're looking at it. And I remember when I was young, we would go to Blockbuster or, or even just other like video stores after Blockbuster or Shuttered. And I would walk around and look at, I would see all these like low budget horror movies with these really like gross looking covers. And I was like, oh, I just don't like the aesthetic of that. And I realized that the reason I took me so long to get into horror movies is I thought they all had the aesthetic of movies like this <laughs> where it's all just, everything looks, every scene somehow manages to conjure the feeling of like a really gross bathroom <laughs> with flickering lights. Yeah. And I was, it's just, I didn't like looking at it and I didn't think it was like the camera wasn't, uh, you know, appealing the way it was used. And 
I understand it's a horror movie, so it doesn't have. I, I'm not asking it to be pastoral. I'm not asking it to be <laughs> bright, but like, but also Midsommar. But also Midsommar, and frankly, the Snyder Cut, which <laughs> is, you know, quite gray and yet a much would, prettier movie than this one. I would like HBO Max to put the Snyder Cut under the pastoral escapades <laughs> section of <laughs> movie list. <laughs> Uh, Britain, I think Warner Brothers now owes you a check for that. Yeah, I mean, and it's like Anne of Green Gables, A Little Prince, and uh, The Secret Garden, The Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't like, and, and yes, of course, it makes us look at a lot of really gross things. We'll talk about it. Um, my best thing about this movie is a, a truly bizarre scene involving Malcolm McDowell, Chris Hardwick, and Weird Al Yankovic. I am convinced that that scene was not written by Rob Zombie. I think what happened is he yeah. set up the scene and they got on set and then Malcolm Weird Al and Chris Hardwick kind of went off to the side and went, all right, guys, so what do you want to do? And then I think they wrote that scene because <laughs> there is comedy that kind of works for me. Um, basically, the setup is so Loomis in this movie is a jerk who is poisoned by fame. His character is completely changed. He's complete. Now he's like a sleazy hitting on reporters and. Yeah, you know all this other kind of stuff, and, and he, he goes on yeah, a, there's yeah. there's no attempt at evoking Loomis from Completely. the originals, and and even in slight fashion, to to the point where he sees a photograph of him wearing a coat that is similar yeah. to what Donald Pleasance wore, and he says, "I'm not, I that's the old Loomis, that's not me at all." And that's like that's a clever joke you do in a movie where you've recast somebody, and you and like you're you're having to deal with that. And so you right. kind of like make find some way to make a fun joke like that. It's it's a weird thing to call out that yes, this character is not at a, even slightly being written the same way. That's yeah, not and really. It's, and it's weird when you're doing that about. And this is not a comment on Malcolm McDowell, a character that was way better. <laughs> you're yeah. you're criticizing a way better version of that. It it would be like if somehow things were reversed and the Ryan got the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern was making fun of Deadpool of being like, what? <laughs> That's stupid. Yeah, and like <clears throat> about a character who was portrayed by a really great actor for m the majority of this franchise up to this point, and an actor who passed away, uh, and like ha after carving out this pretty iconic role, like what? Yeah, it just <laughs> feels like a weird like guys. I think you're. It, why are you taking a dig at this? Yeah. So, it, so in in this scene, Loomis goes on a talk show hosted by Chris Hardwick is playing a character. Weird Al is playing himself, <laughs> and it's just so strange because like Malcolm McDowell first of all calls him Mister Weird, which is great. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> I'm a huge, huge, huge Weird Al fan. I don't go to a lot of concerts. I did see him live. It's the best concert I've ever been to. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I love him, and he just always strikes me as a really lovely guy, and. It it's so funny because Chris Hardwick opens the interview by saying to Loomis, like, you've been accused of profiting off of all this suffering and all this blood and horrors that has happened to people. And Weird Al cuts him off. He's like, well, that is just so unfair. I always get permission, <laughs> which is a good joke. That's exactly. And Malcolm McDowell reacts to him like he has just slapped him. He's like, how? I can't believe you. How dare you? And he's playing it so straight. It's really bizarre. And then they just keep cutting back to that interview with Weird Al's like, is this the Austin Powers, Michael Myers? Is that who we're talking about? And it's just so strange. And I I really think those three actors just like ad-libbed it. Mm -hmm. 
because Malcolm McDowell seems like a guy who's totally down to like joke around and like goof off. Yeah. And it was really, really fun compared to the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, and and I, I was simultaneously lamentous that I had to see one of my favorite, like lifelong favorite musical acts in this thing I hated, but also cheered up by like, well, at least I get to see Weird Al. But yeah, it is. Uh, it was some. It was some tonal whiplash. Hey, Alex, what you thinking? It's our new show. <laughs> Spoken into water cups. Yes. <laughs> my my best thing isn't something that the movie even necessarily succeeds at. Mm-hmm. It's an idea. Mm-hmm. It's an attempt. I Picture appreciate this. that the film tries to delve into Laurie's severe PTSD from what happens in the first film. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. as a as a thesis for this film, that is a wonderful idea. I agree. And I think that the movie actually does spend a fair amount of time developing that idea. I like how it explores her dynamic living with Annie and the sheriff. And, you know, we get scenes of her kind of walking around Haddonfield and she, you know, when she discovers um Loomis's book and kind of what her past actually is. There's a, there's a scene where she's um in therapy with Margot Kidder as yeah. her therapist, which was awesome. <laughs> but there's like a moment where she breaks down and just starts crying about how much she misses her parents. And it did a lot of quick legwork to make me feel better about this new version of Lori mm-hmm. versus what we had seen of her. And I didn't even hate her in the last film, but I think she was just presented she got off on the wrong foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think the film ultimately comes to a very uh, cathartic or <laughs> satisfying like end of that. It's it's just retreading on the, the stuff that they did in Halloween 4 of just, oh, I guess Michael Myers, whatever's possessing him, whatever evil is in him, I guess it's somehow connected with his family and his mother now and a horse is now <laughs> yeah. in Lori. And we're basically just repeating the end of Halloween 4, but in a much dumber way. Yeah. And that that was a little annoying. And I almost, and I don't want to completely rewrite the movie, but I, this comes off to me as a movie where you finally go, no, when she shoots him at the end of the first film, he is dead. And this movie, yeah. no horror elements. We're just dealing with PTSD and recovery and, and like it's just a character journey. I actually think that would have been a very brave and interesting decision for the film to do. And that way you can take like, okay, we've got these two parallel stories. We've got Lori dealing with her trauma and then Loomis kind of uh, making money off of all of this. Like, I think that's that you don't even need the Michael Myers stuff. Like when the horror elements start to get involved, it almost feels intrusive. It feels obligatory. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think. I don't even want to say the film had its heart in the right place because this film is disgusting. Uh, but but the ideas are there. There There is a nugget of a good film in here, and I wish the film was just all about that instead of the the dumb slasher stuff yeah. because I, I don't think it even does that very well. Uh, hey, there's Octavia Spencer. Why, why is Michael just repeatedly stabbing her? Why is this yeah. so... I had that thought. I was like, oh, it's nice to see her, you know, and she's playing a fairly stereotypical character. But this is this is before her big career uh, uh, turnaround. And it was like, cool, like seeing her. Oh, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
my worst thing is going to be just the general art house nature of it, or the yes, or the attempts at being art house, specifically right, right. the the white horse yeah mother visions apparently rob zombie doesn't really know exactly what the white horse is supposed to mean or what a horse is <laughs> but it's like a every like a dog, every time right? like a every dog. time <laughs> doesn't totally get cow anatomy either as we'll talk about yeah sure every time the vision started showing up i just kind of checked out uh, and oh it's like, yeah uh, and it's not even necessarily a case where it's like I need to get an explanation for what this is. It's more just I need a, some sort of satisfying payoff for it. I need it to build to something, and it just it's it's very lame. Like that that ending where, and I don't even know if it's like a dream sequence or what, because it's just like this very extended hallway that's like in an insane asylum, and and Lori's yeah. just sitting there, and the visions are approaching her. It seems like it's a weird fever dream type thing. Uh, and I'll get into the alternate ending because that seems to be much more what that is leaning into instead of it being taken literally. But I I don't I don't really know what the point of it was. And, you know, just have Michael Myers stabbing people like just <laughs> it, it, it it's starting to veer into the we have to explain it even more. And the yeah. and the last film already over explained it. It's just it's so confusing. Also, they recast little Michael Myers and it's very distracting because the kid does not look the same. And it's like within the first 30 seconds of the mm-hmm. film that you're like, oh. Yeah. So if you're watching these back to back, like that's got to be very distracting. Uh, I would hope yeah, nobody is watching these back to back. I would I would hope not either, but there are probably some practice self care. <laughs> Tyler, do you have a best or worst, or should we just kind of dive into talking? Yeah, um, I think I said my worst thing in our group message was that this was an hour and forty five minutes. I could have spent reading nineties comics about Cable, the Marvel comics, <laughs> like super slash anti hero. Um, and I'm gonna stick by that. Um, no further comments. My I don't even I don't know if I have a best thing. Um you can say Brad Dorf's hair. You can just you can own that, man. I that's it a very wise choice. <laughs> now I'm upset um, that I didn't take that. In in lieu of a best thing, I'll I'll get into what I ultimately did not or why this movie really did not work for me. Um I think Alex to your point of the having the t- the dual things of okay we've got Lori and she's dealing with everything she's dealing with and we've got Loomis and he's being a jerk um the movie has no capacity for nuance uh in any way shape or form yep um and that goes for the fact that we also have the element of Michael Myers coming around running around killing people um with Lori there is this weird back and forth thing where she kind of just keeps like flipping a switch and um going crazy and freaking out and screaming and losing her mind and then like going back to being really happy um and it's i, I mean like i i think it is rob zombie's directing i, I don't really blame scout taylor compton Com- 
Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't blame her for that performance. I feel like, especially towards, like, as the movie went on, it really went off the rails and just was like, you, you're not getting any help here, are you? <laughs> like, like they're just, they're just telling you to, I don't know. It, I thought it was not handled well um, and was very much just running out of ideas as the movie went on of, of how to, where to take that PTSD arc. Um, and it doesn't help that early on, there's a lot of dialogue that just does not work as human dialogue and people talk over each other in ways that are just bizarre and don't, like talk at each other and don't just have a conversation the way a human would have a conversation and the camera is stuck up close on their face, yeah. uh, in a, in a weird angle. It, it's really strange. Uh, and, and pretty much within 10 minutes i was like i don't know what's happening here and i don't particularly care to find out but i kind of have to sit here and watch the movie um it's yeah it does not feel like humans had a hand in making this um outside of the actors involved uh i i agree with you and i was gonna say on the other hand with the lumen stuff as we kind of touched on that is going so over the top with the victims are directly blaming him for killing their children, or sorry, the families of the victims of Michael Myers um, from the previous movie are directly blaming Loomis for killing their children. Um, there's, there's not the closest anybody comes to accusing him of uh, profiting off of this tragedy and, and like talking about what he's actually doing. That's not, that's horrible in terms of this movie. Um, is Chris Hardwick. <laughs> He's the only one who's like, yeah, you're, you know, you, some have accused you of, of profiting off this horrible event. Um, everyone else is just kind of like, if they throw accusations at him, it's because they think he was responsible and not because like, it doesn't really track. Yeah. At all. Uh, I guess yeah. the, the, the argument is supposed to be that he was his psychologist, but that, but like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And there's a point, it, it gets to the point where he is doing a bookstore signing and a man comes up to him and starts yelling at him about this and saying, like, first he, he's like, hey, you know, th this is a picture of my daughter. Do you remember her? And, and Loomis is like, oh, no, I don't, no idea. Um, and then he's like, well, you should have, she was one of Michael Myers' victims and um, escalates it. But then he, and so it's like, that's an, in, that's an effective intro to that scene, okay, or, or intro to that conflict, that he's being confronted by the parent of one of the victims who he is now profit profiting on their tragedy. Sure. But then he just goes straight to you killed her. And then he pulls yeah. out a gun. <laughs> this is not, this is not a joke. He pulls out a gun in this bookstore, uh, and attempts to shoot Loomis. Uh, and it's just, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. get it. Well, I think um, there's even a line later that it wasn't loaded. <laughs> <laughs> which is just why why what are we doing here yeah but yeah it, it creates there wasn't even a throwaway line where you said if you had done your job he wouldn't have escaped or yeah you didn't fix him you know something that is still that where, where you could go okay it doesn't make sense but it's the kind of desperation that a grieving person a grieving parent would, would say i'm yeah, looking for blame yeah. i need i need to know that i have done something and you are the closest thing i can tie to this but they don't say that. They just go straight to like, you killed her. And it's like, no, he, he definitely had nothing to do with this. And you're not e even your your bad logic doesn't 
It doesn't yeah. even work as bad logic. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, talking of how the the oh sorry Tyler, unless you had anything that, else to that go was on. my opening arguments. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, talking of the lack of human thing. So so in this movie, we kind of okay. That, okay, I completely agree with Lori. Once she discovers that she's Michael's sister. She has this whole meltdown and she's like, I don't care anymore. I just want to get drunk. I want to party. I want to just go bananas. And it's like, I understand that as a reaction to what mm-hmm. you have just learned. However, the whole movie, she's suddenly like a goth punk party girl that yeah. like the whole time I was watching. It's like the early scene. She has two new friends and they all work at. Go to a place called Uncle Meat's Java Hole. Yes. Now, if you had told me, Britain, what do you think Rob Zombie would name a nondescript business? I wouldn't have been able to tell you. But if you said that that movie was called Uncle Meat's Java Hole, I would say, that's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly what that means. <laughs> you could have picked it out of a lineup, even if you could have come up with it. Yes, I couldn't have designed it, but I could have picked it out. I, I have no idea what that place is. You would think they sell coffee. I think they sell records. I don't know. I know that the boss is ups- is upset with Lori for being a lazy millennial and showing up late. But then he goes on a whole thing about how the man is keeping them down. Mm-hmm. And all of that's confusing. But she has these two new friends and they're all goth punks. And they all want to talk crassly about partying and drinking and sex and everything. Okay. Likely this is Lori doing a a personality 180 as a coping mechanism from the trauma she experienced in the first movie. However, it just seems like Rob Zombie went, I like this aesthetic, so we're doing it now. (laughs) We're doing it. And it's like, again, and I don't need the movie to like, I don't want movies to over-explain themselves to me. Like, I want them to trust the audience enough to be like, you can follow this logic. But it doesn't feel like this movie goes, Ah, and as a result of what happens, she's kind of shutting out Annie and the sheriff because even though they're trying to help her, they are reminders of that time in her life. And she's trying to start something new and totally different. Instead, it's just like, no, this is it now because Rob likes this. This is the place Rob wants to hang out. So she has a Charles Manson poster mm-hmm. like yeah. in her room. And her bathroom is that it has all these stickers to say, wake the F up. Which I can understand putting that in if that's like a dream thing. But like there's just a lot of – it's everything's just gross. <laughs> and then there's like an Alice Cooper poster yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I yeah. don't know if a girl in 2009 would be listening to Alice <laughs> Cooper. Maybe, maybe I'm the ignorant fool, but I don't like, know. I don't know, if she, I don't know if he would be the, the carrier of that aesthetic in that time period. She'd yeah. be listening to like Avril Lavigne, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, goth punk Avril Lavigne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh – and just uh, evidence on, would be the more apt. There you go. Choice. There we go. Just to touch on something you mentioned there, Britain. When you're a sequel to Halloween 2007, you've got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> not giving a pass there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, just, that's that's Tyler's tagline for the poster. <laughs> <laughs> this movie two, has a lot. You've of got some explaining to do, and it's it's just it's just Michael Myers up on a lineup wall. <laughs> No, it's, it's with a, a, quote with on a the, t-shirt on the, from on Uncle Meat's Java Hole. <laughs> is this such a weird, like, and, and you know, this is one of the, the moments where I went, okay, this is not an aesthetic, uh, music or clothing or whatever, that in a lifestyle that I am a part of. 
surprisingly. It's not really something that I find that appealing, but hey, no big deal. One of the great things about movies, though, is that you get to present lives and cultures and communities that people may not be familiar with or have a lot of, of, uh, I don't know, they're not very endeared to normally, and present what is appealing about that lifestyle. And, like, you can present a movie about, like, skate punks or whatever to people who are not at all skate punks and go, but now I understand why someone would be drawn to that life. And I think I, there is no reason that I should like Friday Night Lights, just given the way I normally interact with the world. I think Friday Night Lights is a great show because it, it really brings a lot of warmth and humanity and, and dim- dimension to a community that is just not one that I am. I know more of it than I do in it, which is not which is a grammatically incoherent sentence, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. Because that that show really knew how to present, like, why people are so drawn to high school football in small-town Texas. And I was like, I totally get it. I'm I'm super bought in. This movie, it's just like, now we're doing this, and we're not not showing the appeal of this world. We're just being gross. And they're going to go to a gross Halloween party and, Mm -hmm. like... I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff that I was like, maybe if I was already in this community, I would be like, this is great. I love it. Take me to Uncle Meat. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that's my pull quote for them. Halloween Families Forever. It. Take it, me to Uncle Meat. <laughs> and it says, this movie has a lot of explaining to you. Tyler, here come the sequels. Take me to Uncle Meat. <laughs> <laughs> here come the sequels. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just something that was, I don't know. It was weird. I am glad that Margot Kidder didn't get killed. Yeah. Plus. That was nice. I, how, how did you guys feel about Badly. the opening sequence, I guess, with the hospital? Yeah. Because it's a dream. Well. Yeah. Is it a flashback? Is it is she dreaming of stuff so, that happened? So she, I think it's all in her head. Well, but, but something happened. The, the night. Like. So the movie goes, it does the Halloween 2, original Halloween 2 thing of going to the hospital. She's in the hospital. Annie's in the hospital, apparently survived um, and is like in critical condition. She's trying to find Annie. um, And I guess we're supposed to assume that part is real and that she had real experiences there. But then she goes with the nurse and the nurse gets called away. For one, the nurse gets called to a, a room somewhere. An emergency. For on an emergency, like over the intercom. And then Michael Myers stabs her, which feels to me like the implication is he created the emer- or created the like need for her to leave Lori's side. Mm. Well, I, it's I a think dream, I guess. Al- I don't know. But. Also the way this scene is constructed, because Lori's just kind of wandering down like completely uh vacant hallways yeah. for a couple of minutes. I think the idea is supposed to be at least from that point on, it's a dream sequence. Maybe so. Um, but it's a weird way to give us that information. and to assess- Because then, yeah, Michael Myers kills the nurse, kills Octavia Spencer. Um, he kills Buddy, the the friendly cop, the friendly yeah. mall, or uh, mall cop, the friendly hospital cop. Um, the friendly uh, Paul Blart of this movie. Yes, the <laughs> Paul Blart of Haddonfield Hospital. Um, and... Then he tries to, or he swings an axe at Lori, and she wakes up. Um, and I don't know it. It was a. It's like a twenty-two minute again. Same thing with the last movie. Last movie spends 
30, 40 minutes in a retelling of the Michael Myers killing original killings in a way that is just wholly unproductive to making us like this movie. Um, this again, spends 22 minutes going through. It's, it's the most rote, predictable, just completely gratuitous slasher sequence you could come up with. Um, I'm not even addressing the the two guys in the van in the mortician's van. Well, yeah. let's Which put a pin does in that. actually happen. So we have things yes. that real ha- really happen in 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 the the story. Yeah. And then we get a dream sequence that is edited to seem like it's, it's following of, those yes. events. And then we got to how much of that was a dream sequence? Yeah. I don't um, know. Yeah. But within the dream sequence uh she turns around or or Lori goes back to try and find Octavius Mincer and she turns around and she's been stabbed and has like blood coming out of her mouth. And Michael Myers just stabs her like twenty times. Yeah. Um and boy, if you're watching this movie, get used to the sound of squelching while Michael My- Michael Myers swings his arm up and down. Because that is like th- this is something I was talking about with y'all, I think, beforehand. I don't understand who this movie is for because I would think if you are someone who is really into slasher movies for the gore and the violence and like, you know, doing cool, crazy stuff that it would be the kills that are interesting and like maybe the shock of those kills and the way those kills are done, you know, in, in Halloween two, the original one, he uh, boils, uh, but is it, is that guy also named buddy? Oh, I think so. Wait, maybe. Or is he just Bud? No, he, Maybe just he, Bud. He boils the lady. Okay, he boils the lady, but he... Yeah, after murdering Bud. Um, yeah. <clears throat> he, does, he, like, kills somebody with a syringe to the forehead or something. Like, he does yeah, some crazy yeah. stuff in that. And we've seen elements of that throughout these movies, and I've kind of glommed onto those as, like, things that I think are fun um, and kind of speak to the personality of Michael Myers as a movie villain, I guess. Yeah. Um, but in here, it's just he shows up when you expect him to show up, um, and then he stabs somebody like twenty times, and they're dead. And there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of squelching. Um, some fine effects. There's some really awful, like good but just completely awful effects uh, of them doing surgery on Annie, I think, or maybe one one of the girls from the last movie, or maybe it's Lori. I don't know. The, the, at the beginning of this movie there's just like a lot of there's a hospital sequence with them like performing surgery on some girl and they're doing mm-hmm. a lot of like pulling apart body parts and stuff and it's freaky and it looks great um <laughs> now that's the quote on the dvd box <laughs> <It's> freaky <laughs> and it looks great dude um <laughs> like they're really good practical effects but they're just completely wasted because it's like i'm not what are you, what are you doing with this other than yeah. you, you gross me out a bit in the beginning and then the rest of the movie is just stabbing. Um, well, I, I think part of the problem with the violence is the movie is taking itself so, so seriously. It, it is so earnest with that. Mm-hmm. You can't even really have fun with any of the kills. Like there's not like a novelty to it. It's just mean spirited. Yeah. yeah. And that would be, that would be something if there was a point to it, if it led to something compelling, but it doesn't. And, like with the the buddy thing I, so she basically Lori runs out into the parking lot where it's pouring rain and she finds the this cop who's like sort of like the security guy from the original Halloween 2 um, and he's out in some like station in the middle of the parking lot 
Uh, and he's like, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine here. Let me, uh, th- you know, I'll lock you in here so that, so that nobody can get in. And then I'll go to my car. And he does that. And then he comes back and she's like, oh, he's like, oh, I didn't mean to spook you here. Let me let me get you out of there. And, we, you know, I got the car pulled up. Um, and it's the most obvious time you could possibly have. The, like once you've done the fake out of the guy comes back and everything's fine and you've like pretended to release the tension. Anybody who's watched a slasher movie before is going to be like, OK, this is the part where you kill kill mm-hmm. the guy. And that's the part where Michael Myers kills the guy. <laughs> and like it, that happens over and over again where yeah. he just pops up, does murder. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly at the point, the point where the like slasher connect the dots, uh, you know, paint by numbers. Yeah. He kills tell you to do. the same way. It's mm-hmm. stab it. It's sta- stab. Mm-hmm. It, it stops. It's not interesting. Or, or I also would point out that scene, kind of pulls a wonder woman 84 where the uh, octavia spencer is guiding laurie back to her her room and laurie is not able to walk mm-hmm. on her own and then she gets called and she's like you can make it on your own right and then just leaves <laughs> now granted this movie creates the reasoning of she's been called away to an emergency it's a dream sequence so like oh sure okay it's still stupid it's not as silly as i know someone just tried to assault you but get home safe i'm a superhero and then she leaves <laughs> which is ridiculous is um but yeah it's it's such a ridiculous thing Lori does have a line after she wakes up and she's talking with annie where she goes it was it was the hospital this okay. time so she mm. has dreamed like different scenarios i don't know if that's supposed to mean she has dreamed up different hypotheticals for what could happen after the events of the first film, or if it's just like, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to go on, you know, to go off of with that. So. And yeah, he, I, I, I just don't like the way it's edited. I don't like the way it's structured. Um, because, you know, we get, we get that opening. I guess we can go ahead and address this. There's two guys, who are taking michael away who's he's in a body bag i guess they're going to take him to the morgue or whatever and their conversation is completely revolting and immediately they're just like oh these are like the most despicable characters i've ever i've ever seen in my life um and then they get into a car wreck where they crash into a cow (laughs) yeah they hit a cow and their van going at a very high speed on like a back road highway just stops (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I believe yeah. one of them is killed on impact, like by yeah. getting crushed. Uh, well, the the guy riding shotgun, who is the, the more despicable of yeah, the two, yeah. he's the one that survives long enough for yeah. Michael to actually get, get a full kill. He plays Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Oh. Fascinating. And I think he's also in the, the Rock uh, Doom movie. So, sure. Well, Fun facts about that. Coming up next on Here Come the Sequels. <laughs> <laughs> somehow it's got carl urban rosamund pike and it's still bad <laughs> doesn't really yeah you're not yeah, talking me out of it it, it sounds more interesting than watching this movie it is um <laughs> yeah yeah I, and also when they show the cow which has been catapulted mm-hmm. uh, the cow's like head is all mashed up and weird yeah. it's it's like nothing that happened seems like it would. No, the result of that crash doesn't seem to make sense with what happened in the crash. Yeah. yeah. 
the injuries, the human suffering sustained and everything. It's just bizarre. Um, I want to talk about something potentially very unsavory because I want to get it out of the way. So sure. in this movie, Annie is killed and Michael finds her in her house. He kills the guard, the, the, the one police officer that's been guarding mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And goes in and in a, again, horribly cut back and forth to another location, another scene, she's frenzy, in a frenzy of editing, she is killed. But before she, she's like all bloody laying on the floor cowering. And then Ghost Mom says to Michael, let's have some fun. Or now go have some fun or something. And I want to say Kid Michael responds. Or Ghost Kid. We cut back, da, 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 the rest of the movie happens. Lori, when Lori finds Annie... I believe that Annie is now not clothed anymore when she was previously. Is the movie implying that Michael assaults Annie as part of her death? Because that's that, what I got from it. I, I, I honestly, I didn't interpret that. Same. Um, I, well, I was going to ask, is she just wearing a robe before? I Michael honestly, attacks see, her? I, I don't remember. I don't think she was wearing, I feel like she was wearing like, you know, t-shirt and boy shorts, you know, just like around the house clothes. Sure. Um, but it seems to me like she was wearing clothes and then she wasn't. And it, I don't know why else she would suddenly not have clothes on. Um, and while, and, and then that, you know, mom says, first of all, when she first, when they first have the scene of the mom, ghost mom saying, okay, now go have some fun or let's have some fun, whatever it is. I was like, that means kill. She just means kill. Yeah. Because one, and before that scene, I had been thinking, one at least Michael is an asexual evil. You know, sure. there's a lot of sex in the Halloween movies. Michael's just a wall of violence. Like he's just mm-hmm. killing people. That's all there is. It's not like a Freddy Krueger where there's this weird other thing to it. And I like that. Um, and then I see this scene, and I, like I said, I may be completely misinterpreting or misremembering, or maybe she wasn't actually naked, or she was. You know, I don't know. But it felt like that was implied, which, if so, I hate it. <laughs> I don't like that Annie dies anyway. Um, but, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I, I see okay. the, the dots that you were connecting there. Yeah. Um, and I may, I, j- I may just be seeing the wrong dots. Because there were sections of this movie where I just muted it and uh, played on my phone for a while. <laughs> because I did not want to look at what was happening. Uh, yeah, such as when Michael goes to the roadside place where a Frankenstein man is going to have sex with his wife. Yeah, it's like a strip club, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it was unpleasant. Yeah. And Consensual, kind of... but unpleasant. And the whole scene was pointless. Yep. Uh, the one thing I, I will say, I, it feels weird having a defense for this movie at all, but this is comparing it against the first one. I feel like the way Daniel Harris is shot overall is much more tastefully done than I would the, agree. the first yeah. one. I completely agree. Um, yeah, I, I still Even agree. if she is naked, we're not seeing her breasts or anything. Yeah, it's not constantly like, we've got Danielle Harris naked, aren't you happy? Right. No, right. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with any yeah. of this. Yeah. <laughs> This does not feel like an autonomous thing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I do agree with that, definitely. Um, which, again, is why I was like, I, di- mm, I can't, <laughs> I can't I know, parse yeah. this. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't know um, what 
the angle is there. I, I don't I, I, I don't believe there's anything in the director's cut that kind of uh, leans more towards one interpretation or the other. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, well, and it's, it's something ba- that like, you know, it's either bad or it's much worse than that. So. Right. <laughs> well, it's a kind of like I said, the, the no movie in this franchise has applied any kind of desire to Michael outside of murder. Um, Halloween six, though. OK, well, yeah. But but he doesn't try to assault anybody or have sex with anybody in that, right? He, he I mean, when when it's revealed that that uh, Jamie's kid is his. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot about Which is that. also Daniel Harris's character. Yeah, it's where she's played by a new actress. But yeah, the, yeah. that's right. That's right. I forgot about Ugh. that. Ugh, yeah, that was nasty. Um, So it was the kind of thing where I was like, OK, it's apart from that this is not like a a thing for the character and that almost may have had more to do with the cult of thorn than michael himself god what a silly thing i just said um, <laughs> but anyway uh, i it, but I'll, and i as much as we are complaining about these movies and their tastelessness i don't want to start appending things to rob zombie i don't want to start like i've never met this man i don't want to start being like he would do blah, blah, blah. And this is the kind of thing he wouldn't care about. But this is the sort of movie where I could see them going to that level of extremism. Um, I don't, as we talked about the deleted scene from the previous movie. So it's like, I just, I don't know. I don't think that's where that was going. Um, That would be great. And I don't, I feel like, I should give it the benefit of the doubt because I do not have the energy or willingness to go find a way to confirm like by like watching the scenes again or whatever. So I feel like if I'm not going to put into the work to confirm this, I shouldn't assume (laughs) that it's the case. And that (laughs) wasn't the read I got. I see. I see what you're getting at, but I think I don't think that's the angle. Okay, cool. That I'm going to go with that then. Mostly for me, I think the the like, the scene of him killing her and then leaving her on the ground i feel like that's pretty continuous in terms of how that goes down and where lori finds her yeah so i don't i don't think there's like supposed to be like missing information there i I see missing missing part of that sequence okay okay i like that more yeah (laughs) and then both of Lori's new friends get killed, right? Because I know yes. the one gets yeah. killed when she's not having sex with the werewolf man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who never takes his mask off, I think. And and his... It's the lamest excuse to get them separated. He's like, I have to go pee before yeah. we have sex. I haven't peed all night. <laughs> and so he runs out into the woods to go pee, and Michael yeah. just kind of kills him. And it's... Yeah, it's like cool. like you said, Tyler, it's just really rote. It's just like it, it, it feels like Rob Zombie's heart isn't in any yeah. of the slasher elements. Yeah. And that's but like that's the gory stuff. That's where yeah. all the, the craft of, you, of like the special effects people is put in. Yeah, it's you'd very assume, weird. You'd assume that's his bread and butter and that's what he would want to really yeah. dive into. And it feels like we're expected to enjoy that way more than it is possible <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh her other friend is killed um 
when she runs downstairs to try yeah, and it's call like the a police. Real quick, like yeah. There she goes. Kind yeah. Of deal. yeah. Yeah. Why like... couldn't Weird Al karate kick him? Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. This is for my bologna. And then he just. <laughs> I feel like we should talk about the ending. Go. Which part <laughs> Go of it, it is like. All right. I feel like we should figure out what happened at the end because I'm not sure. Um, d- Lori gets taken to a shack. Uh, right. Michael Myers takes her along with Ghost Kid and Ghost Mom. Yeah. Um, who are like, I guess, a shared hallucination between them or maybe supernatural. Some um, sort of psych- psychological connection or something. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, they are in a shack and the police have the shack surrounded because uh, Annie's uh, dad is like, oh, you, you killed killed Annie. How should go? Should go do? Should go do a police thing? Um, go shoot a man. Go shoot a man. And then Loomis shows up and Loomis like is like, hey, uh, I, I want to go in there to help. And they're like, no, don't do that. And then he's like, okay, okay, I won't. Look over there. And then he runs into the shack. Um, the way it's edited, it's, it's very like bizarre. he starts to run away, cuts to Brad Dorf, and then suddenly Loomis is at the shack. <laughs> want to see him do it again? Like, the way it's edited and shot, it's like a comedy scene. Yeah. And you see, just see, it's a it's a wide shot, and Loomis is, is like right at the shack door, and he's like, I owe you one! <laughs> and it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah um he goes in and mcmire stabs him as he does in this movie um it's the exact same ending as as the first film where it's like oh loomis tries to confront him and michael just kills him yeah and it's just at the end of the first one he happened to not die i guess yeah, somehow um and so he stabs him uh and that gets michael myers in the in the range or the view of the guns enough for him to get shot up um and he like stumbles into some spikes i guess and uh lori says does she like say like i love you and then stabs him i think no maybe i I, oh no she's saying it because ghost mom is telling her to say i love you mommy no she does that but then i think she tells Michael, I love you, brother. And then she stabs him a bunch of times. Oh, maybe. It, it's something weird like that. Um, And she also can't leave the whole time because she is being, I guess, psychologically restrained by her visions of Ghost Kid. Um, And then she walks out with the Michael Myers mask on and then takes it off. And then she's in a hospital and maybe yeah. it's a dream sequence because Ghost Mom and Ghost Kid and Ghost Course are there. The, the gang's all the gang's all with her, and yeah. the movie ends. And then they play the Halloween theme over the end credits. I'm like, what did? No. <laughs> what did you do to to get to the point where you feel like, yeah, that's a triumphant. That's a that's the moment where we really punch that up. 
Yeah. It, it reminded me of the end of Skyfall where where M's just like, all right, Bond, it's time to get back to work. And Bond goes, with pleasure, M, with pleasure. And then the Bond theme plays, <laughs> except it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With pleasure, M, with pleasure. Goldfinger! <laughs> Man, I wish Goldfinger would fight Michael Myers. My one weakness. <laughs> Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Myers, I expect you to die. <laughs> the, the scene where he's, uh, Goldfinger's explaining his big plan to all the gang or all the, the crime heads in his yeah. fancy uh, chalet. And uh, Michael, it's just Michael Myers standing like, oh, oh, uh-huh, okay. He's just Got one it. of the hinch people. He's <laughs> <laughs> just there. All right. He's not even the heavy. He's just like a Yeah. Well, I, no, I want a James Bond movie where Michael Myers is just the uh, oafish heavy uh, who, <laughs> to, to one, whoever the villain he's is. He's standing there like that scene in a, whatever the, cult of thorn movie was where he's just there at the ceremony looking weird (laughs) yep hey makes sense to me sounds good you got a weird hand let's do this (laughs) we uh we still still gonna play the the company softball game later working on my y'all okay i know i need i need a specter softball game and michael myers is there I know that the timelines wouldn't work, but this version of Loomis with, like, Roger Moore Bond fighting, taking down Michael Myers would be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's true. You have no idea how much I want that now. And, and he's, he, Michael Myers is played by whoever plays Jaws. Um, but but Richard Loomis Keel? is just oh mad. God. Richard Keel, Loomis Michael is Myers. just mad. Roger Moore forces him to wear a fancy white dinner jacket, and he's like, "I'm su- I wear a trench coat. That's my thing." And he's like, "No, you're a stylish British man. We must kill Michael Myers." <laughs> Not anymore. You look like you're looming in it. Mm. <laughs> and both of them just stare at the camera for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Well, Michael Myers kills people in the background. Well, yeah. all right. Well, come on, Mr. Double O. Let's do this. <laughs> There's two O's in Loomis. What? Anyways, <gasps> um, the director's cut, uh, it sounds like overall it's it, the theatrical cut is better from what I, I gather. Uh, it's hard to say. Most of it, like the last film, is kind of just little snippets of dialogue that have been trimmed out. But most of it seems to just make Laurie both damaged, more damaged than she already is, but also more unlikable. Like there's um there's the scene towards the beginning when they're they're talking about the hospital dream and Annie goes, You just gotta take it one day at a time. And the scene and theatrical cut cuts with her with Laurie like going, Yep, one day at a time. Cut. In the, the director's cut, she immediately goes on a tirade about, like, oh, that's BS. You don't know what you're talking about. And she's just, like, screaming at Annie. Mm-hmm. And okay. kind of the same thing with the therapy sequence. Apparently, the stuff where she's just crying about her parents being dead is is trimmed out. And it's replaced with her just kind of screaming at Mar- Margot Kidder. Um, and that seems to be just a lot of the dialogue that was cut out. So I... I I understand, once again, the attempt to try and be like, no, she's damaged. She She's kind of broken beyond repair um which is why whatever this 
family entity is is able to kind of get a hold of her the way it does i i guess that there's a mm-hmm. through line there um but obviously you know everyone in this movie is pretty unlikable to begin with so yeah. you're already you're you're just you're just <laughs> ruining it more sure. uh yeah. and then the other big change is the finale and it's not even that substantial of a change it's just that all three of them end up outside I think Loomis is dead, Michael gets shot, and then Lori, like, picks up the knife or something, and then one of the cops accidentally shoots her. Mm. Or something. Basically, the idea is that all three of them are dead. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then it cuts to that, that final scene where she's in the hospital, and it's like, is it, like, her last flashes before she dies, or what is it? And it just seems very, very pretentious. And that's the director's cut. That's silly. Hey, how come... So in the previous movie, Michael tries to mountain in the Viper Loomis. Mm -hmm. Such that blood comes out. Mm -hmm. Loomis has no problem with his eyes in this movie, and that bothered me. I mean, we've already established he's a different character this time around. Yeah. True. He has a twin actually, brother. Yeah, I was going to say Tumis. it's an evil twin brother. <laughs> Tumis. <laughs> oh, doubting Tumis. That's what the movie should have been called. It should have been called Halloween Tumis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's just like, come on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Alex, you pointed this out in our, our group chat, and I do agree that the characters who are supposed to be likable or at least not terrible are are closer to that in this movie. I, I, I yeah, I, I think buy Lori, a little more that the friends Lori, who are, Annie, and the sheriff are yeah. all a little yeah. bit better in in terms of their treatment. Like Brad Dorf um, gets more to do, and like I buy him as a character who's like, I'm trying to protect you guys. I'm, you know, I I buy that. Like there's a scene where they're having dinner or breakfast. Again, it's always nighttime, mm-hmm. and they're oh they're eating pizza and they're talking about like what isn't isn't like vegan or something. Yeah. Um. And, which I'm assuming was written uh next to a plate of ribs. I just I'm gonna guess that, but the the. Like, there's kind of some, like, he's being a dad and talking about, like, pop culture that they wouldn't get and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, this isn't good, but, like, it's closer to what this needs to be. That's, so like That's the closest right. I came to being, like, interested in what yeah. the movie was doing. And, like, Brad Dorff's a good actor, so I'm like, sure, I'm, you know, I'm here. There is another significant uh, uh, change with the director's cut. This this actually reminded <laughs> no me. No Brad Dorff. <laughs> No, there's an extended Brad Brad Dorf sequence Um, Uh in the theatrical cut. When he discovers Annie's body, he kind of just goes into shock and it kind of like all the sound fades out and all his men just kind of drag him away in the director's cut. There's like a full on scene where he's just like yelling and crying over her dead body for a while. And, you know, obviously it's a chance for Brad Dorf to to do some acting um, to be very dramatic. But I, I. I like the theatrical cuts handling better because sure. I, I I don't know. I don't like how Daniel Harris has been treating treated in any of these movies other than like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on is that once again, like the first film, this uh, apparently was a very compromised production yet again. I don't, it doesn't seem as quite 
quite as clear cut about how how that kind of you know ended up being like with the first film i think it's a very logical step to say i think most of the stuff with young michael was rob zombie's idea and the producers and everyone kind of made him do the the remake of the original halloween this one's a lot lot uh more uh difficult to try and weed that out my guess would be based on just kind of the stuff that we think rob zombie was doing i i think a lot of the ptsd and, and the loomis stuff was probably his idea and then they just told him you you have to have michael myers in the movie um that would be my guess but apparently um there were a number of production issues i think there was a lot of bad weather which might help explain why the movie doesn't look great sure the, the whole hospital sequence where she's running outside and it's pouring, they hadn't planned for that. Mm. Like there was like a tropical storm or something that caused yeah. that to happen. Um, and then apparently right before they started shooting, they, they uh, pun intended, they slashed uh, some of the production days. So they had to shoot oh, the film gotcha. in less time. Gotcha. So it, it it is hard, much like the first one, it is hard to be like, no, this is all Rob Zombie's fault. Sure. Because this just seems like, even from the, the get-go, it's just not ever, you know, everyone was not aligned on what this was going to be. Right. So it ends up not just being a dark, depressing, ultra-violent, you know, movie, yeah. but it's also a mess. Yeah. And, like, I definitely still you know lay my criticisms at him because there are things in this that clearly came from him things that are not in the other movies that are clearly like oh this is a guy who had a vision (laughs) right and obvious and yes certainly there are problems that and i feel like had there not been these production delays and there not been this weather and had there not been these sort of external problems the movie might have been a little more cohesive i think a lot of those issues i have would still be there whether sure. they would be more intense or somehow less so, I don't know. But I don't know. Uh, I, I, I am not <laughs> – I, I've talked on this podcast before about how like Tarantino isn't my cup of tea, but I'm, I remain curious about seeing his movies because I'm like, well, let me like, – I want to know what I think. I'm curious about my opinion, sure. even if I don't end up liking it. I'm not curious enough to go through these kinds of things for Rob Zombie's movies where it's yeah. quite possible that he would have even less – uh, pushback from studios if it's just, he's like this is my own IP that I am gonna make um, and uh, I'm not really curious to see what he's got up his sleeve sure so but one of his songs is in the first Matrix so there's that well maybe <laughs> I should rethink my statement oh my goodness I'm giving this a D minus not quite an F. I gave the last one an F. I think it's slightly more interesting. And I know you guys make fun of me for always coming up with this hypothetical. But if I had to sit down and watch one of those movies, I would probably take this one. Because at least we get a Chris Hardwick uh, Weird Al scene where they're making fun of Loomis. So, sure. D minus. F minus. Still hated it. <laughs> not not yeah. even my friend Al could, could save it. Yeah. <sighs> I think just I live. I, I, I think I like I. I don't know that I actually liked it more than the last one. I think it was a little bit less like 
th- this one just felt more bad and less like genuinely like upsetting to me <laughs> right so i think i think that's where i kind of land on that so yeah well that's, and, and that's it did it. spare us the having to watch a child perform terrible things. yeah like there, yeah. there's there are a few things in that last one that i was like i hate this in the yeah. both the positioning of the franchise the things that it's doing the content of the movie this one is not good and i think actually quite bad but uh yeah. it is just bad and i you know there's some stuff in there that i that is pretty offensive and, and gross but um not in quite the same way sure <clears throat> sure the whiplash we're gonna have with the next film we're all giving yeah. it a pluses <laughs> yeah that's gonna be wild yeah yeah so uh I, y'all have both had uh trips to the cinema that yeah, I, I, you may or may not mention on Varying this podcast because movies that we will be discussing on the podcast. So I'll do a, I'll do my recommendation quick. I, I don't have a movie specifically to recommend. I did watch Martin Scorsese's Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, because um, I was like, oh, this is a really different uh, type of movie for him. I wonder, you know, I wasn't crazy about it myself. Um, it was also about a bunch of people I didn't really like doing things I didn't really like, but they felt more like humans. Um, I was watching it thinking like, oh, I wonder if this will end up being the like, hey, Tyler, maybe this is the Scorsese movie you could get on board with. I still think Silence is <laughs> the one or maybe Hugo. Um, get around to it. But it didn't really work for me. So, But I, I did finish uh, the Haunting of Hill House miniseries on Netflix, and I just absolutely loved it. It is a stunning piece of work. Um from mike flanagan and there are other writers um but he directs every episode he is he is the showrunner it's very loosely based on shirley jackson's novel the haunting um it's just yeah i was just totally bowled over by it and i find it genuinely scary uh episode six is done in a series like every scene until the very end is just one long take and that is some ari aster jaw drop for me i thought it was just beautiful (laughs) um all the performances are really great, particularly Elizabeth Reeser and Kate Siegel and Henry Thomas, the kid from E.T. He's back. He's really, really good in it. Um, Carlo Gugino and a bunch of really great child actors. One from Greener Grass, my favorite comedy, and McKenna Grace. And like, it's just a lot of really great people. Um, yeah, it's so beautifully shot. It's and, and it is much like Hereditary, a movie that works equally well as not a horror movie show or is a show that works as well as not a horror show um it makes some really bold choices in the last episode that i was really at the time i was like oh okay but since then i've been like i'm that's you those choices i think helps to drive home what mike flanagan was trying to get at through the series than if he had just gone for like i i really liked the first it movie but if he had gone for mm-hmm. let's all team up and take down this ghost uh, I think he he makes some other choices that are I think really really um, moving and uh, interesting and and I think it's the right ending. Um, I, yeah, I I really can't recommend it enough. Ten episodes, you know. Uh, it's and also uh, second Dario from Game of Thrones is in there. He's he's doing his thing. Um, Very good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, it's the kind of thing where like I. It's hard to dis- discuss without like spoiling it, um, but I-, I will say keep an eye on the background of scenes because there's a lot of hidden ghosts, and every time you notice one, it's terrifying. Good for me. 
Uh, totally loved it. I know I'm late to the party, but totally get there. It's called The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Um, what did you guys go to see this this past week? Tyler, I, I know you took yourself to the I don't, to the, I don't to the wanna cinema. I don't wanna delay uh, you don't? our man any further. You're right. Alex, what happened? I finally saw it. No time to die. <laughs> there it is. Six years waiting for the next James Bond movie, and I loved it. Um I've only seen it once. I plan on seeing it multiple times in the theater. Uh yeah, it's it's for me. It was kind of the perfect send off for Daniel Craig's tenure as James Bond. It feels very much like I, I think apt comparisons are like Dark Knight Rises or Logan, um, mm-hmm. in that way. And that does I know sound it's, like a movie that you would very much enjoy. <laughs> so. Sure, and I I know a lot of people online, especially in the Bond community, seem kind of. Um, divided on some of the the uh stronger choices that the film makes mm. but i completely respect the choices and i i it, it was just kind of everything that i wanted i'm sure the more i watch it the more you know problems i'll i'll you know point out with it i don't think this is a specter situation where i walked out loving that movie and then like within a week i was like oh this isn't as good as i thought it was but like substantial difference mm. um I, I i don't think this one's gonna drop all that much for me and currently it, it, it's kind of sitting as my second favorite craig movie um which means it's it's probably like my second or third favorite bond movie of all time so sure. yeah and yeah it's uh it's very long but i did not feel it at all um it, it kind of breezed by for me and it's just it's just really really good it's very very strong so i i highly recommend going and seeing it in the theater because it's definitely worth seeing it on the big screen um and then i watched the many saints of newark the sopranos prequel it was fine i should watch the sopranos tyler (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know what star wars is but they got to get these plans (laughs) uh I, i watched venom 2 I did. I did go check. Despite <laughs> despite the siren song of Dear Evan Hansen, um, <laughs> I I did go with Venom two. Uh, walking into the theater, um, also thought about seeing No Time to Die, but I I figured I would enjoy that more with the kind of general radiance of um excitement. Watching that with Alex here, um, it's very so rare that you get that. to watch a movie with me where I'm just constantly gripping your arm. Right, right. <laughs> We don't, yeah, that experience is, is once in a blue moon, so. Yeah. Um, I, Venom, Venom 2 is fine. Uh, it's, we'll, we'll get to it. It's not really, not really a thing I would recommend to most people unless you, like, adore the first one. In which case, I think it is a lot, it, it, I think it, like, continues along that path uh, and hits a lot of the same things in a way that may or may not work for you there there's some stuff that i did quite enjoy and i definitely didn't like regret watching it um but it's, it's a movie we'll talk about uh, tyler, it eventually. Uh, tyler what's the over under on me enjoying it at least a little bit <laughs> uh, if you said just flat you enjoying it it'd be it'd be no you would but i think there are there are bits and pieces that you are capable of like parsing out and being like yeah you know what that was kind of neat so okay 
It's only 90 minutes. Yes. Exactly. I can respect that. Yes. Um, yeah, because I think the first one was like over two hours, maybe pushing two, wow. two and a half. It was, it was. I don't think it was that long, but it was, it was over two for sure. 90 minutes. Um, Jeez. I don't remember exactly how long, but yeah. So that was, a, that was also nice. That kind of gets in and gets out. Um, and has a, a fun end credit scene. So, so something to uh, be interested in. I don't. That I can firmly say is not fun. <laughs> no, I, I, I will. Th- I will sit in the opposite camp on that. I don't. I mean, I think the. the I don't. Scene itself I don't like is... the implications. Okay. I don't like it. Well, I like that's... the idea of Alex sitting in a theater and that scene ends and he goes, "That wasn't fun." <laughs> <laughs> no, the the scene itself is fun and it does have implications, which you may or may not have thoughts on. Um. What I'd like to recommend this week is Here Come the Sequels, the podcast, which you can hey. find online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com or on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever the difference between that is anymore, if there is one. Um, so wherever you uh, get your podcast. Yeah, it's a pretty good episode on Fantastic Beasts 2. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What that episode. Alex, was the other movie where you kept gripping Tyler's arm, was that Turbo, the racing yeah. snail movie? Yeah. Oh, wrong Turbo. No, it was Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. <laughs> Turbo, a Power Rangers story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tales from the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. But yes, it was also <clears throat> Turbo, starring Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. You, just, you were just like, whoa, this is like Speed Racer. <laughs> this is so much better than Cars. <laughs> Um, both the movie and the thing. Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) Man, I wish I could ride one of those, like a real never-ending story. Gosh, what a fantasy. (laughs) Um, Cars just don't mess her up. No, no, they do not. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about snail maintenance instead of car maintenance. Uh (laughs) So, Joseph, saddle up your racing snail. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getty... This name, you're racing snail Getty. Old Getty never steered me wrong. <laughs> or I don't know, Fiorella, whatever you name a snail. I uh, will be very interested to see what I think about 2018's Halloween because uh, these boys saw it. I haven't. Um, Spoilers. I think you'll probably like it more than the last two movies. I have a good feeling about that. You'll actually probably like it more than a lot of these movies yeah. that we have been discussing. So I, I think you'll yeah, like it approximately way. more than the last nine films we've done. <laughs> it's very you know That is an attainable goal. Yes. Um, we'll find out next week. And until then, and today, I've been Britain. <laughs> In the quantum zone. Uh, I've been Alex uh, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Tyler for this Halloween and all Halloween to come. And you're having a happy one. (laughs) Spooky.